Hey guys, it's Annie, and you're listening to Heroes and Zeros, a true crime podcast. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Today's episode happens to be an ongoing investigation, which is something quite different than what we normally do. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a zero, and it certainly doesn't mean that we don't have a hero, because we do. We have both, and one is as vile and evil as the other is heroic and brave. Abby Pimentel is our hero, and Roy Nelsh is the ultimate zero. News for Nashville. First, I'm going to acknowledge that much of the information for this episode is provided by Chief Investigative Reporter Jeremy Finley for News 4 Investigates. From his articles and interviews, which was published just last year on May 25th, 2022. Now, on to the story. Though on May 21st, 2019, 35-year-old Abby Pimentel was living in Clarksville, Tennessee, and she was not having a good day. Little did she know it was only going to get worse. Abby was driving along I-24 at the Kentucky-Tennessee border when her car ran out of gas. According to Abby, not only was her car out of gas, her car battery was dead, her phone was dead, everything was dead. It's just like tons of traffic, you know, and you're just sitting there like a sitting duck. Feeling desperate, a semi did a U-turn and came to offer her assistance. The trucker pulled up behind her and asked her if she needed help. Feeling extremely frazzled and indeed in need of help, she politely accepts. She says she hopped in after he offered her a ride, but then when he didn't take the next exit like she asked, she knew she was in more than just car trouble. I already know I'm probably going to die, so I'm, I'm not going to go down without a fight. Quote, I grab my purse, I look up at him, and I'm thinking I'm about to say thank you. And he has a gun pointed in her face, the mental said. He said to her, this is a kidnapping. I'm going to rape you. Get in the back of the truck. Abby, who was once a soldier at Fort Campbell, says that the moment she made her way into the sleeper section of the truck was the moment she knew that she was going to have to fight. Soon, the pair were wrestling for the gun. She's able to wrestle the gun away from him and points it directly at his face now. She's on the bottom and he's on the top, and the gun is in her hands pointed at his face, and she pulls the trigger. Nothing happens. The trucker had grabbed another gun and with a lot of force smashed her over the head with it. I mean, I remember feeling warm liquid pouring down my face, and I didn't know at first what it was, but it was blood. Pimentel said that the fight basically ended after that. Nelsh had handcuffed her and placed a blanket over her and then tried to tend to her wound with a paper towel. While he was wiping away the blood, she asked him three questions. While he was wiping the blood away from my face, I asked him three questions. I said... Are you going to kill me? He said, no, I'm just going to rape you. I said, how long are you going to keep me for? He said, a few days. I said, are you taking me somewhere scary? And that's the only thing that I could think of to ask because I kept thinking of those scary movies going through my head, you know, and he's going to have me in some cage and 
with all these knives or something and torturing me or something. Like I kept thinking that way. And he said, no, you're going to stay in the truck with me. I'm just taking you somewhere isolated. Mental then says that Nelsh lifted up her dress, but then just let it go and left her in the sleeper and went back to driving. And um, like... Every time I would think my kids' names would go through my head and I'd just get this adrenaline, like this crazy amount of adrenaline go through my body and I'd be like thinking, you don't have the right to take away their mommy. But first she has to get her hand out of the handcuff. And honestly, she didn't care if she ripped her whole arm off. She was not going with that guy. She was not going to be raped by him. There's no way. She rips it out as hard as she could, hard as she possibly could, and it hurt but she didn't care. Pimentel says that that was the moment when she made her most desperate decision yet as they were moving down the highway. I took the blanket and I just lunged towards him as fast as I could and threw the blanket over his head and I put my arm around his neck and I squeezed my muscles around it. I grabbed the steering wheel with my other hand and I started swirling around like trying to tip the truck over. I was absolutely a crazy savage animal fighting for my life. She says, it taught me I will do anything to survive. And it seems she did. Roy Nelsh apparently picked the wrong woman to mess with. Nelsh then agreed to let her go if she let go of his neck and even offered to unlock the remaining handcuff. I remember I jumped out of the semi. I had um, one shoe on, one shoe off, the other shoes up in the semi, half a dress on. And he said to her something that chilled her. He says... I never expected you to fight that much. I've never had anyone fight this much before. I was like, whoa, he's done this before. Like, wow. I thought, who am I dealing with here? Pimentel was able to eventually flag down some help and contact police. Abby gave police a description of her kidnapper semi, and he was soon found. When they searched his vehicle, they were shocked at what they found inside. The boat rope with blood on it, that was, ugh, like, what on earth was he going to do to me? That's another question that constantly goes through my head, you know, how was I going to die that day? Officers uncovered two guns, knives, a bloody rope, a stun gun, sex toys, and a bloody bag of women's undergarments, and, most chilling, a ledger. Inside this 49-page ledger, his own personal journal, were names, ages, locations, and descriptions of women and children. It is not yet clear whether these names in the ledger match the description of any currently missing women. What they also found were 10,000 images of child pornography on a laptop that was inside the truck. Detective Dennis Honholt was working for the Clarksville Police Department on May 22nd when he learned of the arrest of a truck driver. The truck driver was, he said, accused of kidnapping and assaulting a woman that he'd picked up on the interstate. Soon, he'd be questioning Nelsh himself while cameras were rolling. During a five-hour interrogation on May 22, 2019, Nelsh explained the incident that he had with Pimentel quite differently. Well, he accused her of she's trying to manipulate him for money. And I reached out and got 40 and hit her in the head with it. Detective Honholt, during the interrogation, replaced the timeline back to Nelsh as was replayed to him according to the statement given to him by survivor Abby Pimentel. He says to Nelsh, quote, You went in the back and she fought with you. She said she did get a gun from you and pulled the trigger and it wouldn't shoot. 
She said she was handcuffed and was able to throw a blanket over you, and you yanked the wheel. She stopped, she got out, and ran for help. That's her version of events. Nell's response was, well, part of that's true. But he denied that she was the victim and instead said he was actually the victim. Nell says that when he picked her up, she said to him, give me some money. And I said, for what? She said, give me some money or I'll tell them that you raped me. End quote. He said that only then did the fight start. And then after the fight, he even offered, because he's so kind, you know, to drive her to get medical attention and then to the police station. Detective Hanholt told journalist Jeremy Finley with News 4, quote, To be honest with you, my initial thought was, he's a serial killer. Roy Nelsh embodies evil, and this to me was the pure embodiment of evil. He seemed very well rehearsed, and watching it unfold in front of your eyes, you see quite frankly what monster is coming out. Nelsh's girlfriend has remained anonymous, but says that the two met during a dark period in her life through an unusual Craigslist ad. His ad was for a rape fantasy, she said to News 4. I'm not quite sure why I answered it. I thought, yeah, this sounds exciting, honestly. She says that they arranged for him to come to her apartment. He came in with a mask on. He came in with a knife. He kept my shirt off with the knife, and then he got me tied up really easily. I was surprised at how fast I was on the floor, and he had my hands tied up. That's when I freaked out a little bit and the fantasy stopped there because I told him I do not like being tied up. I don't like this. So he unties me. Despite her initial discomfort, the woman says that the two then continued their relationship until he was arrested for the kidnapping of Abby Pimentel in May of 2019. The anonymous girlfriend says that before the arrest, she knew Nelsh as a kind truck driver who said he was in love with her despite having a wife and children. She admits that he seemed to have some odd sexual tendencies, including a habit of picking up prostitutes while on the road, but that he seemed to be a caring person overall. The thing that really got to me, she says, is that what I was shocked over was that he had this thing full of pins, and he had a stun gun. So he would have these long pins, and he would put them through their skin, and he would use the stun gun on the pins, I, I guess, to intensify the stun. He also had a tire iron, and I know that he had some adult toys. He had a rope, he had handcuffs, she continued. And he was talking about different women he had picked up, and that they actually enjoyed doing that. I had gone into his truck probably two different times, and he had his bag of tricks in there. He had women's bras hanging from one of the beds in there, and I asked him about his wife, what she thought about that. And he said that his wife doesn't ever go in the truck. She's not allowed to. Looking back, Nelsha's girlfriend says that he was likely lying to her about the women consenting to the sexual acts. I do think he was lying, she says. Definitely, I think he was lying. I just feel like a complete fool. It's super embarrassing to me. I'm shocked at my behavior. Looking back on it, and after going through therapy, I'm shocked about my behavior. End quote. Nelsha's girlfriend, though, isn't the only woman surprised at his apparent double life. In a phone call, while he was sitting in jail, records reveal that Nelsh spoke to fellow truck driver Melissa Robinson. She was also surprised at the allegations of his violent behavior. According to Melissa, saying what you did was heinous. It was evil. 
So I was like, that doesn't sound like you at all, she told Nelsh. Nelsh responds back to her, you know, they're blowing it way out of proportion, but I figured they would. Apparently, Nelsh trained Robinson, and the two once rode together, side by side, in the cab for over a month straight. No thank you. Robinson said she never got the feeling that he would force himself on women and that he never approached her inappropriately. Look, I know that there was stuff that Roy would stop and pick up women. He admitted that to me, she said. But as far as being the type to try and force himself on women, being in the truck with him, no, Robinson said. Robinson also maintains that the items in Nelsha's truck were all trucking-related equipment. That's what I know it was, equipment. Because I've been in Roy's truck, she said. Nelsh tells her he intended to go to trial. That he had even reviewed the evidence package and said it had all kinds of holes that he could punch into the prosecution's story. Records show that Nelsh also spoke to his wife from jail, detailing the steps she should take to ensure she had enough money to live in his absence. He repeatedly told her that he loved her and their children. According to Assistant U.S. Attorney in the Middle Tennessee District, Brooke Schifferl, quote, I think the evidence suggests there were other victims, end quote. And for what it's worth, Brooke, I do too. Nelsh would ultimately be charged with kidnapping, possession of child pornography, and transportation of child pornography. But unfortunately, the case would never go to trial. In March of 2022, while awaiting charges of kidnapping and attempted rape, suspected serial killer Roy Nelsh died in a federal prison. I was upset. I didn't want him to die yet. I really didn't. I wanted to do the trial first and I wanted, you know, I wanted him to be exposed. I wanted him to have to face the world um, for, what, for what he's done. I wanted to know more about what he's done. Nelsh's wife has continued to refuse requests for comment, but Nelsh's girlfriend and the survivor, Abby Pimentel, have come forward to share what they know about the actions of the now-deceased alleged rapist and kidnapper. An investigation by News 4, in which they obtained hours of police interrogations, photographs of the crime scene, phone calls made while in jail, as well as interviews with the lead detective in the case, prosecutors, and the woman who escaped the kidnapping, and friends of Nelsh, uncovered a disturbing series of events that leads those involved to the same deduction. He has other victims and is most likely a serial killer. But even though he is dead, the investigation is ongoing. Detectives believe that he is responsible for so much worse, killing women across the United States. And if you're like me and wondering what are they going to do about testing and comparing DNA from missing women and children, the bloody undergarments, and from Nelsh himself, here's what they say. But I gotta ask you about the potential other victims. Are they comparing his DNA with other crimes? Well, that's what we wanted to know too, Marius. So all the TBI will say is that this is an ongoing investigation. But by state law, Nelsha's DNA would have been connect collected if he had been convicted. Of course, we now know that he had never gone to trial. But if you are charged by state law with a violent felony, you can be ordered to provide DNA but none of Nelson's charges fit that definition. So all we know at this time is that they did get his DNA. We're uncertain though what they've done with it so far. And that is the story of our hero, Abby Pimentel. Any future information that we get, we'll come back and we'll let you listeners know. Thank you everybody for listening. 
Hey guys, we love our true crime family and we want it to grow. So if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating at lovethepodcast.com. Heroes are best. But don't worry, you don't have to remember it because you can find the link in the description of this episode. It is a new feature that makes it so easy whether you have an iPhone or an Android. You won't be fumbling around going to different platforms. The link will take you to wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, please share the podcast link with family and friends by text, email, or even better, by posting it on your Facebook timeline. It is super easy, and we would be eternally grateful. Love you guys. 